the Lord. And Glenda's going to uh, get our notes out. And tonight we're going to conclude this series of messages on the family. We have preached the everlasting gospel, haven't we? And uh, we were thinking we were quit last week, but we didn't get finished and couldn't stop really at that point, I don't think. And uh, next week, uh, Glenn and I will be in Louisiana at the Supernatural Leadership Conference that Mark Hankins Ministries has every March. And um, so uh, we won't be here. So we felt like tonight would be a really great night for us to wrap this up. Uh, next Wednesday, as a matter of fact, Derek Darden will be ministering the word, and you're going to be blessed. Amen. We are uh, at a place where we're talking about what your children need most, about practical family life and how to train up children in the way they should go. And you know that we present to you as best we can, as much as we know, the ideal, the uh, the, the concept from the word of, of the very best that we know how to present to you. And we don't do that with the uh, attitude that we know it all and that we've arrived. I would think most all of us in here probably, uh, if not on an ongoing basis, at, from time to time at least, and hopefully that's all it would be, that we would have things that we're believing God for when it comes to our families. Mm-hmm. Things that... Um, that we want to see happen. And maybe right now, I just want to say this, maybe it's not looking like it's going to happen soon. Maybe things are not as you want them to be, and they're not maybe as you even know they should be. But there are things that we can do when we've done all we know to do, and that part about having done all to stand, stand therefore. There are some things you can do while you're standing that are very successful. You, you have something Amen. you wanted to I throw do. in there? I, my mind goes a hundred different ways. But, you know, the, the most important thing uh, to realize in this day and age that children are the heritage of the Lord. Psalms 127.30 says, Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of youth. God blesses us with children. I remember when um, Daniel, I can't remember which child it was. It wasn't the first one. It was either Evie, Claire, or Luke. And uh, when they came home from the hospital, they cried and cried and cried. And... um, Daniel said, he was just, you know, frustrated. Always tells Daniel's stories. But he has the best stories. Anyway, he said, uh, it's a good thing this is not the cave band days or this child will be outside the cave. (laughs) But there are problems. There's difficulties. There's times when... Those blessings, you're just worn out, and you just can't see how in the world you can manage to care for them and see to them. And uh, that's why God made them so cute (laughs) and so sweet. And they look just like you or their dad, you know. That's why, because they're our heritage. You know, people this day and age, uh, it seems like, People care more for nature, for dogs, for animals, 
than they do children. But children really come from the Lord. They're yes, they do. our heritage, and they are a blessing. And uh, if we seek him, he gives us answers to every situation. He's our, he's our helper. He's our partner. We pointed out to you that man alone, by God, has been given the privilege of reproducing spirit beings. And we are responsible to train them up to succeed without us. That's the goal of parenting. It's not to make children dependent on us. It's not to keep them babies forever. It's not to manipulate them in such a way that we're really thinking about our future. What am I going to do if they go here, go there, do this, do that? But it's teaching them to succeed without us being there to do everything for them. It's Amen. so important. It's like, it's like Jason, Jason just mentioned. That's our legacy. You know, or was it? Nick that said about going to the next generation. Somebody said it. It was Nick. Okay. Uh, and that verse that I read, the Message Bible says, don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. Amen. Amen. So last time we said the first thing we want to give our children, and please understand that just because they leave your house doesn't mean you still aren't putting things into them. That's right. Just because they're grown. You know, we, we talk about things that happen when kids are little. and But they're, you know, we talk, Glenna was talking about the challenges of a new baby that maybe is uh, crying and God stays the nights mixed up or it's a little bit colicky or whatever. Well, the fact is that a kid that's uh, 16 also can keep you up at night. And not because they're crying and, and their stomach's upset, but for other reasons. So all along the journey, there are challenges. Yes. And all along the way, there are Bible answers to those challenges. And so when your children are in their 40s or their 50s, or as with my parents, their kids are in their 60s, uh, they're still your kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's a connection that will, will never, ever be lost. And so one of the first things that we should give our children now and always is the knowledge of God. Because no person or group can do that for a parent. They can supplement, they can augment, they can help. But uh, people don't inherit a relationship with God. <coughs> Just because your grandmother or your mom... Excuse me. But we don't inherit a relationship with God. Just because your parents are saved doesn't mean you're automatically going to be saved. And for parents, it's important to understand that just because you love the Lord and because you know the Lord doesn't mean that they're going to just as soon as possible that they're also going to know and love the Lord. Mm -hmm. You have to teach them that they need God. And part of the knowledge of God, and I know this is not popular for the modern day, but it's still true. Part of the knowledge of God is the knowledge from the Word that talks about what happens to the man or the woman that doesn't know the Lord. There is a hell Mm -hmm. that's very real. There's a hell to shun, as we say, and a heaven to gain. Children need to know. And it's not all about hell and judgment, but they need to know that truth. We need to give them a knowledge of God. We need to teach them that God is a good God. And that when people do choose not to serve Him, that's their choice, not God's. And God loved us enough to give us the choice. So we teach by example. We teach by precept. 
You need both. You can't just tell kids. You have to live it in front of them. And um, that brings up something that's important, I think, to say for us as parents. Uh, don't do anything you don't want your kids to do. Or say anything you don't want don't them, them to do. Don't them to read. say. Um, and I can tell you, uh, you know, that people have lots of different ideas about what they're doing. And sometimes I, I've heard over the years the strangest things. And I remember uh, years ago uh, somebody buying cigarettes for their kids because their thinking was, well, uh, they're going to smoke anyhow, so I don't want them to get out here and get cigarettes that might be laced with drugs or whatever. Well, of course, they, they ended up doing drugs anyway. Um, and and uh, But people have strange ideas. People say, well, I'm going to keep a bar in my house because I know my kids are going to drink anyway, so I want to make sure they're drinking here at home. Well, you're very foolish if you think that that's the only place they're going to drink. If you're drinking beer, if you're drinking wine, they're going to try tequila. They're going to try gin, vodka, whatever. You know, it, it, it doesn't, sin doesn't have a, an end point except at death. And I'm not saying that everybody that's taking a drink of alcohol ends up dead immediately, but I'm saying that's the ultimate aim of the devil in every temptation is to take you to the place where it, whatever that is, controls you and cuts you off from life. And so don't ever think that you're going to be able to do things or allow things that you know are at best questionable and at times obviously wrong and that your children won't do that or more. Or more. Because it's just the nature of humans. And I'm telling you, even people that are just, you know, some of you may be in your 40s or early 50s and you've got, uh, still got teenage kids. Uh, the world is way worse now than when you were a teen. Mm -hmm. And so we, we've got a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous job. So keep a tight rein. I would rather have my kid mad at me now and be grateful later as to be running wild now thinking I'm just the, their best buddy because I let them do anything and everything and then later on be so regretful that I didn't put any boundaries around them and that I didn't teach them right from wrong. So it's very, very important. Teach them to pray, teach them to obey, teach them to love. Teach them to use the Word of God. Bring your children in on your faith ventures. Uh -huh. You know, don't do everything at night after they're gone to bed or, or whenever they're not at home, they're at school. That's when you tackle all the problems. I'm not saying you, you get them to the point where they're worried, but, but they need to see faith at work. They do. And if you're believing for a new home, if you need another car, or if there's a real need, like a problem, and you're not really sure how it's all going to get worked out, bring them in and use let them use their faith with you. Teach them that prayer works and God's word works. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Proverbs 26 in the message says, Point your children in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. You know, Greg was talking about, uh, you know, to bring them in. I, I find so much joy when my grandchildren ask me to pray. You know, something's going on in their life. You know, when they say, Nana, pray for me, you know, I know that that's in them, that they will always know that's their answer, prayer, taking it to the Lord. So we train them, mold them, teach them, live the right way in front of them. And give them yourself. 
Give them your time, your wisdom, your life lessons, and most of all, your knowledge of God. Don't just give them stuff. Uh, there comes a point in time where things don't do much, but the great things that you can give of yourself will always stay with them. We, we talked about that, and we talked about the, the next one, give them a good marriage. One of the greatest gifts you'll ever give your children is for them to know you love their mother if you're the husband or that you love their dad if you're the wife. It, it produces a degree of security and a degree of peace in a home like nothing else. And uh, if you want your children to do well at school, if you want them to excel and fulfill their destiny, then this is an important key that they can know that you love the other parent and that you have a stable and loving relationship and uh, that it begins to manifest for them and in their life as well. And of course, that means that you're going to have conflict resolutions. Just like you bring your kids in on your faith ventures, you also need to understand that when they know and they're aware that there's a conflict between mom and dad, they need to know that that is solved in the right way. In a godly manner, That's with right. respect and honor to kids, the other person. Kids are, are precious, and, and, and they do not need to see adults fighting. They don't need to hear adults cursing, swearing at each other, throwing dishes and breaking windows and, 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 and <laughs> saying all kinds of ugly things. Uh, it makes marks that, that stay. It does. They, they heal, but yet they're there. And so it's, it's really important that we, we let them see that if mom and dad are in disagreement, somehow we got back to a place where we, if, if necessary, we agreed to disagree. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you don't have to agree with me. You have a right to be wrong. But <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> bad joke. <laughs> The next one we said was give them biblical values and standards to live by in the home. Find your convictions through the word and by spending time in the presence of God and by associating with godly people. When you see people the word works for, when you see people whose faith works, when you see people who walk in the blessings of God, it's really a good thing if you can to find out what do they do? Why are they so blessed? And uh, one of the things you want to do is associate with those kind of people. We help anybody. We help everybody we can. But our friends, our, our association should be godly people who help sharpen us and help us become better at what we do. And you need to teach your kids the value of godly friends. Because I'm sure you know if you've raised children that especially in the teen years, this issue of friends becomes really, really yes. important. Um, Teenagers. Yeah, it's like, you know, the, it's everything. You know, if, if, if their, quote, friends don't like something, then they're just crushed about it. There's that stage they go through. We need to teach them what a real friend is and how to be a real friend. Amen. Amen. You know, when uh, God wants to, uh, to bring something to you, to teach you something, he will bring a person into your life. And the uh, devil, on the, other hand, and on the other hand, tries to do that same thing. He tries to get you off track. He'll bring somebody, you know, to influence you 
in the wrong way. And so I like to encourage parents, especially with teenage children, to teach them that they are, when they have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of them, they are what the Bible says. They're the light of the world. And so when the light is on, it's a magnet. It draws people to them. So we have to determine, is this person sent from God to encourage me and to bless my life, or is this person sent to me to get me off track? You know, we always want to be open to help people. All the time people need help. I need help, don't you? And so I believe God to send right people to give me right information. But we need to train our children to discern. Why is this person in my life? Are they sent there for me? Or am I sent there to influence them? We don't get all uh, messed up in, in that relationship because that can be very harmful and, and uh, very bad for a young person. So, you know, and uh, people who are born, born again, they're lovers. They love people. And uh, so we have to be wise to teach them, you know, what is your assignment in this situation? You know, uh, every person, you know, Christian children that uh, are raised in church and, and go to Christian school and they're like in a bubble, which is a wonderful thing. You know, I, I wish we had a Christian school here. But they get in a bubble, and they think that everyone's like mom. Everyone's like uncle so-and-so or sister uh, Margaret at church. Or, you know, and they just love me, and they're wanting the best for me. But that's not the truth. So we have to uh, teach them and train them to discern, why is this person here? You know, uh, not to be unequally yoked. You know, if, if uh, in that movie... The, uh, the, the little girl that was dating the preacher, you know, said, if you're not, if, you know, you're not going to get in the way of me being with Jesus. If you think you're going to get in front of Jesus, you know, you're wrong. <laughs> so, you know, you have to teach them to look out and be wise that there's an enemy that wants to devour them and get them all tangled up in wrong relationships you know, we want to be available to help any person, but we need discernment and not be uh, taken off our mark or off our goal. Amen. And you know, you've heard the saying, somebody has to be the adult in the room. <laughs> well, parents, that's our job. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 through 19, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they, that's he and his children, keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham, and of course that would include his, his seed after him, what he has spoken to him. And so we see that word command, and I guess what I'm trying to say is once we have done our teaching and once we've done our 
counseling and once we have entreated and we've loved and we've prayed and we've been as nice as we can be, there are times when you just have to be the adult yeah. and say this is how it has to be. Right. We, we, we do no service and bring no blessing to children by allowing them to be rebellious, by allowing them to be rude and ill-mannered. Uh, a lot of that has been lost. It seems old-fashioned today. A lot of people, even uh, so-called educators today, not all of them, but I mean, we've just got a whole lot of people in the world today who just think all that's an old-fashioned idea that's gone you know, by the way. But it's so important to respect our elders. It's so important that we are that we have manners. It's so important. These are biblical concepts, and they've not changed. And that brings us to something we didn't get to last week to any great degree, and we wanted to cover it a little bit tonight, and that is one of the things that we need to give our children is consistent and loving discipline. Discipline is not something you do to a child. It's something we do for a child. Uh, it doesn't kill a child to, to say no. Uh, it's not the end of the world when they can't go or they can't do or they can't watch or they can't do whatever, uh, something that's really not important. We're not talking about abuse. I remember one time a pastor's wife, they, they had a daycare and she, she just, it was a slip of the tongue. But she was explaining to a group of people interested in the daycare that at, in those days, she's, you know, that they used uh, corporal punishment. And she said, now we believe in capital, capital punishment. <laughs> so I'm not talking about capital punishment. I'm not talking about killing anybody. I'm not talking about beating somebody, no. putting them in the hospital. But no. we are talking about uh, discipline. And different children respond in different ways. Some people, some children, when they're very small, a little spanking is very effective. Uh, some kids, there are other things that seem to work better. But whatever you have to do, you need to seek the Lord and understand that your children must be taught to honor. Honor is not normally going to come without teaching. And the first place a child learns honor, if, if it's a biblical home, is they learn to honor their father and mother, which, like Abraham, sometimes has to be commanded. It sometimes has to be required. You know, if you're thinking, well, you know, I'm, you know you, there's so much mess out there in, 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 in the world we're living in uh, when it comes to these ideas. Uh, you don't have to earn the respect of your children completely. You do need to. It should be worthy of you. But your children should respect you because they're your children. Mm -hmm. You are their parent. You know, a lot of times people think, well, if my parents messed up, I don't owe them respect. That's not true. And people say, you know, sometimes, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not going to make the mistake my parents made or my grandparents made. No, you're going to make your own. You're going to make some different ones probably. But there are no perfect parents. And if you want your faith to work, and this is really important, if you want your faith to work, you've got to make sure you learn 
how to honor. And it starts with your parents. It goes to those who are our elders, those who are over us in the Lord, as the Bible says, those kinds of things. And, and Proverbs 22, 6 says, as you quoted from the Living Bible, but it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, the reason Solomon asked for wisdom when God came to him after David had died and, and God said, ask of me, you know, what do you want? And Solomon asked for wisdom, which was the right answer. Ding, 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 you know, that's the right answer. And he got all those other things to go with it. But how, how did he know to ask for wisdom? Because that's the way his dad had trained him. He had been trained. Because you read the book of Proverbs and you find out Solomon, time after time after time after time, he was actually quoting his father. And uh, so David trained Solomon to seek wisdom, and that's why he responded to God the way that he did. Now, can I read sure. uh, 22, <clears throat> Proverbs 22 15? This is the message. It says, Young people are prone to foolishness and fads. The cure comes through tough-minded discipline. Amen. That doesn't mean, as you already mentioned, that we beat or abuse children. But if you will start when they're tiny, tiny little things, and you'll get you something. Um, my mother had a fly swatter, and she would come after me with the fly swat if, uh, if I didn't do how I, if I were obeying. And, you know, that is a command that you obey. It's not a suggestion. It's a, a, a command. Uh, um, when Bailey was tiny and he lived with us, and I, I would correct him, I'll get the spatula and, uh, you know, just tap him. If you start when they're tiny, it doesn't take, it hurts their feelings that you've, you know, that you've corrected them. So that's the biggest thing, you know, that, uh, that they understand that they've done something that isn't, you know, the right thing to do. And uh, I, after a while, I could just say, do you want me to get the spatula? Oh, Nana, no, Nana, no, not the spatula, Nana, not the spatula. <laughs> he couldn't say it plainly. <laughs> So, you know, pretty soon all I had to do was say, I'm going to get the spatula. And uh, that was all it, it took because I told him. And when he didn't do what I said, then there was a consequence. You know, that is training. That is training. And uh, when they're tiny, if you'll do that, you won't have a problem so much when they're older. So uh, get yourself a, an instrument <laughs> of correction. The Bible calls it the rod of correction. If you have a little children, get you a, um, an instrument. And, uh, you know, you don't want to slap around on children with your hands. You want to love them with your hands. And uh, um, put it somewhere where they can see it. Uh, Luke was having problems going to school. And, uh, uh, you know, this is an example of uh, me not understanding something was wrong, you know. Uh, he was having problems getting out of the car. He didn't want to go to school. And I have a wooden spoon in this generation, in this bunch, you know, like the little kind that you stir the 
pot with, you know, and uh, all I have to do after a couple times of, you know, just barely, you know, it hurts his feelings more than it hurts his body. And, uh, you know, I, I just kind of have it in my hand when I'm talking, you know, we're going to school, it's time for you to, get, it's going to be time for you to get out, you know, just wave it around, you know, just a little bit. And it stays and over the sun, like sun a, visor. It's like a magic wand. <laughs> <laughs> so the other day he was, uh, you were taking him to school and he, he was having, he was, Having, he was in his own world. He was having, having a, a conversation, conversation with somebody. Yeah. We don't know. And who. he said, <laughs> "They won't hit you with the spoon." <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, they may not, but I will hit you with the spoon. <laughs> if you don't teach your children discipline, somebody else will have to. It might be a policeman. It might be a judge, a reformatory. It might be, uh, you know, a drill sergeant. It could be any number of folks that's not going to put up with their foolishness. And uh, parents, you can keep your children from a lot of problems by being consistent with, with discipline. And remember, uh, the goal is that you love your children and you want what's best for them and you want them to grow up as, as good, good adults. So remember Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, which says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now you say, well, that's to the children. Yes, it is. But who is responsible to make sure that happens? The parent. He commands us, he says, honor your father and mother. And notice there's no expiration date on that. We don't stop honoring our parents ever. As uh, We honor them as long as they're here. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? What every parent wants for their children, that it may be well with you and that, they, that you may live long on the earth. They will not do this unless you teach them to do it. They will not honor, they will not obey unless you teach them. And, and you can't wait on somebody to else to do it. It was important to God that they that they learn those things so much that he put it in his word for us. You know, uh, if you're going to have a job, you've got to learn how to take instructions. You know, you're going to have to follow rules and things like that. So to be successful in life, that is a very important lesson that should be learned early in life. We don't have a lot of time left, but I do want to point out some things that Jesus taught us about what to do when things are not working like they should. You know, if you've raised children and then you have grown children, there have been seasons along the way when they didn't always respond the way you wanted them to. Their attitude wasn't always what you wanted it to be. Um, I want to start with Matthew 5:44, where Jesus taught us what to do with an enemy. Now, your child's not your enemy, obviously. But if you would do this for an enemy, how much more would you do it for someone you love, like a child? He says that we are to love, bless, do good, and pray. Bless those who curse us, do good for them that despitefully use us, and all of that kind of thing. So love, bless, do good, and pray. So what you don't want to do is tell people how bad your children have been. Uh, 
you don't want to talk about. I mean, I know there are times when you share a prayer request, you maybe even feel led to have someone pray with you and there are problems. I'm not saying we don't do that at all. But I mean, we, we are very careful that instead of talking the curse over our children, that we are speaking blessing over them. We love them, which you know what that means. That's doing what's best for them. And that sometimes is tough. Sometimes love says no. This idea that love always says yes, and love always lets me have my way, that's not love. That's somebody trying to manipulate you, whether it's a child or anybody else. Love does what's best for the other person, always. So we love, we bless, we do good, and we pray. And then in Matthew 9, 38, Jesus taught us, and this would apply certainly to children that are wayward, we might say like the prodigal son. They've wandered away from the things of God. They're not living the way that we know they should. One of the things we can do is what Jesus taught us in Matthew 9, 38, and that is to pray for laborers to come across their pathway. There's a very good chance that if they are wayward, if they are the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, very good chance they don't want to hear you preach to them. So there's, but there's somebody they will listen to. And we need to pray that that person comes across their pathway. And then finally, in Matthew 16, 19, and in Matthew 18, 18, we have the principle of binding and loosing. Amen. And so there are times when you just, you don't have to be in their presence. And it's probably 99.9% .9 of the time, it's probably appropriate that you not do it in their presence. But you can bind the devil. Amen. Thank the Lord. Bind the devil. See, as parents, we have certain rights. We can't control our children ultimately. If they're adults, we can't force them to make right decisions. And we can't tell them what to do. And, and we can tell them, but they don't have to do what we say if they're adults. But we do have power to bind the devil. And I think sometimes we just don't... Um, we don't exercise the spiritual authority we should have. We rely too much on our emotions. We rely too much on, you know, maybe we fall into the trap or we put a little guilt trip on them, you know. We try to make them feel bad about what they did. And, you know, I've loved you and took care of you. And how could you treat me this way? You know, that, that whole thing. And it's so tempting to do. And maybe we've all done it some, but we, it doesn't help. The battle is fought in one spiritually. And I'll just say this and, and you can, you know, kind of get us ready to close, but when you pray effectively, one of the things you need to keep in mind is that you don't want to just pray when it's an emergency. Now, we do know prayer works in emergencies. Ask Jehoshaphat mm -hmm. when the enemies came and Adam, you know, and all that stuff, and, and they ended up without ever lifting a sword, they won the battle and were three days carrying away the spoil. I mean, it's a marvelous, marvelous story, and it's a story of miracles and power. Uh, so prayer does work in an emergency. But, you know, you can pray into the future. I think about, you know, some of you have been in prayer school, you've probably heard Brother Doug's testimony about his youngest son, Philip, uh, uh, and how that the Lord told him that he would be a boy before he was ever born. That was before ultrasound and all that kind of stuff. And he knew he was going to be a boy, had chosen his name before he was ever born. 
Well, you can, you know, he prayed that out. The Lord, you know, the Lord gave him a word. And many times in prayer, if you pray enough, you'll get information. That doesn't even necessarily make you a prophet. But you'll get information. You'll know things. And you can pray things out. So, so where your kids are concerned, you can start praying into the future. If you've got single children or single grandkids, you need to start early praying about their spouse. Because like Glenna said, the devil's going to try to send them the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's easy for a young person to, to be ensnared through lust of the flesh or through the idea of a good time, quote unquote, and think that's the way to go. But it, it may be a total trap of the devil. But see, we can pray ahead of these things Amen. and pray into our future. Praise Amen. the Lord. Aren't and you, you can so do that glad. about your wife. You can do that about your husband. You can do that about your family. Uh, if you will put true spiritual prayer into this thing, standing on the word and make Bible decisions and stay faithful to the house of God, stay faithful with your giving, faithful with your praying, faithful with your commitment and your service in the kingdom of God, your children are going to have an advantage that most of the world never has. Amen. 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 I wanted to say this in in closing. I wanted to read this scripture to you. You know, there's so many things that, you know, ways that we could go, different things we could say and do. You know, it's a, you know, it's just so big, so large. And, you know, our families are everything to us, you know. They're from the Lord, and and God made that unit. That's how he wanted us to live. And, you know, in the beginning where we started, it was it not good for man to be alone. And uh, to live in a life of love and a life of blessing, you know, there's no greater gift, is there, to have a, a godly home and a godly family. And I wanted to read Colossians 3, 15, and it's talking about love. And this is um, the Message Bible. And it says, uh, talking about love, it's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off doing your own thing, and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. That's what should be the run of your house. Let the word of Christ be the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing... Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, your words, your actions, and whatever be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Amen. Amen. Love rules our houses. Amen. Let's pray right now. Father, we pray for the families that are a part of this church congregation. Whether they're here tonight or not, even those that might be online that can't come here regularly because of distance, but yet they're connected with this church. They pray, they support, they worship with us, they hear the message. I'm praying, Lord, for every family 
that's under this umbrella of authority here. And I pray, Father, that you would cause the power of the Holy Spirit to permeate our homes, that the peace of God would be in our houses, that you would help us to see the very best way to minister to those that we love the most. Help us to be faithful, to not give up, to not be weary in well-doing. In those seasons when it looks like it's unappreciated, in those seasons when it appears that it's not changing and working like it should, we will continue to do so because we know the Word always prevails. The Word always works. And so we call in those sons and daughters that are away from the things of God, away from the closeness that they need to have with the things of God and the kingdom of God. We rebuke the devil over them and we command that spirit of blindness to come off them. And Lord, send laborers across their pathway as well as this conviction of the spirit upon them that they, Lord, will come to you before it's too late. And those that are here, Lord, those that we rejoice in each and every week, sometimes several times a week, to see them here in the house of the Lord, young and teenagers and young adults alike. Father, we know that every time we gather, you're depositing something inside. And so we thank you for that. And we believe you, Lord, to help us as a church do a better job, to do the very best we can, to do more than we've done. And that, Lord, this will be a place where families come and families are healed, families are restored, and families are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.